0: A lot of things about who I should be as a woman, what it means to be a good woman, um, how I need to be setting up my life now, what it means if you're a bad Mormon. And I'm sitting there, a bad Mormon, and just being told, like, why all these things are awful and you're going to ruin your life and...
1: Okay. Welcome back to GMTA, everyone. We are on episode 30. Crazy. Mm. I know. It
2: is kind of crazy. We're almost like coming up on a year.
1: Almost. Yeah, almost on a year.
2: That's crazy to think about. It was like a year ago that we were talking about starting a podcast. But anywho, um, today we have a very special guest here. Um, And when we had recorded this previously, I had said, everyone, please welcome Elise, but then I, I realized that we're not uh, in front of a live studio <laughs> audience. And so none of you can clap or anything, but I know that you will be doing so from your treadmill or your bedroom or your work from home desk or wherever you're listening to this. But Elise is here today to talk about something that Ashley and I have been wanting to talk about for a while, yes. um, but don't know if we're quite as equipped to discuss. Uh, as our guest, Elise, here is today, and that is religious trauma.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Sam and I kind of dove a little bit into religion on our episode with Missy, but we are going to be diving really, really deep uh, into Mormonism today. Yeah,
2: not even our own experiences, yeah. but this this is all this is all Elise. So go ahead and you know introduce yourself, tell the people a little bit something about you, all the basics, and then we're going to play a little. Get to know you, game, and then we're going to get into Mormon trauma.
0: <laughs> I recently moved to Chicago in June. Um, so I loved my first summer here, but getting ready for the winter and really just like mentally preparing because I know it's going to be brutal. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm
1: at. <laughs> Well, I would say last winter wasn't that bad.
0: I heard this
2: winter is going to be worse, that oh, it's going to snow a lot more. But, oh, but I,
1: as I was saying the
2: first time around, a Chicago girl piece of advice is to get yourself a really
1: nice winter coat. Yeah, especially if you're like really close to the lake because oh everything is <laughs> a lot colder there. I actually don't remember. our What area of Chicago are you in? Yeah, I'm in Ukrainian Village. Okay, um, right, right. So Yeah. So I just have to say... I noticed on your story the other day, you were at Portage Grounds. That is like very, very close to my house. And I love that coffee shop.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. It was so good. I went out there for like a vintage clothing swap. I'd never been to that area. And we're like, okay, we'll stop and grab coffee on the way. Um, Something that's a big Mormon no-no, by the way. Um
1: (laughs) (laughs) We can talk about that more later.
0: Yeah, we'll get into it. (laughs) Um,
1: But yeah, it's such a cute area. Very cool. So wait, did you already say what you did for work? Um,
0: maybe I did the first time. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She, did. Okay. she did. The first time around.
2: Go ahead um, and, and give the people a little taste
0: of what you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm a project coordinator um, at Komodo Health, which is like pharma, healthcare, life sciences, consulting. Um, really, I like help a lot with resource management and just kind of like operational stuff. So yeah.
1: Okay. Was that your, the reason uh, that you ended up moving to Chicago is because you accepted this position?
0: Kind of. This is where they're headquartered. Um, but I had been in the D.C. I was in D.C. proper since I graduated and grew up in the D.C. area. So I was ready for a change. And I had kind of fallen in love with Chicago when I would visited a couple of times before. So I was like, yeah, like excited to move out here because of the
1: job so I could go in. But it's still mostly remote. So kind of. Both. okay. Yeah, it's always nice to have something remote. I mean, I used to be remote Sam, I do work fully remote. Yeah, it's lovely. Um, But yeah, so like we said before, we kind of have some questions for like a get to know you game. Um, So for those of you listening, Elise does not know any of these questions. So (laughs) we'll see how she answers. Do you want to read the first one?
2: Yeah. Miss Ashley wrote these. So I actually haven't seen them either until right now. But number one is what is your go to item on the
0: McDonald's menu? Um, an m McFlurry, I'm not Ooh, a big yeah. McDonald's person, but that's, like, my go-to, like, I don't know, like, I'm late night out, like, grabbing an m m McFlurry, and I'm lactose intolerant, so it has to be, like, a very special treat.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but... I feel that. See, I've never met anyone who, like, prefers an m m McFlurry over, like, the Oreo one.
2: I get both. Um, oh,
1: I do remember the that way you said that before. Yeah.
2: Yes. I I just I'm like, can I get a mixed flurry with both MMs and Oreos? Let me tell you, next time you go try that, it's life changing.
1: Yum. I love that. Um Okay. The next is what is your favorite store to shop at? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, probably
0: Target. I'm a basic am I allowed to am I allowed a curse on here? Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm a basic bitch. <laughs>
2: um another Mormon no no. <laughs> she's
0: cursing oh my god (laughs) um yeah probably target I mean it's just like so I feel like it's so like meditative like walking through the aisles and I'm like a big stationary person and they have great options so yeah I'm kind of ashamed to admit that
2: (laughs) no no shame in the target game let me tell you even, like, if I have a bad day at work, I have a Target, like, a five-minute drive from my apartment, and, like, I'll go on my lunch and browse the aisles. I,
1: I, I kid you not, um, when I first started with my first job, um, we were, like, fully remote at the time. I would go to Target every single lunch break, and I would just have, like, the time of my life. Even if I didn't buy anything, like, I just wanted to walk through Target, like, in the summer. Um, I know. And I did it. Literally for like a month straight. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. The best.
2: I think it's my turn yes. to read. What is your favorite restaurant ever? And what is your favorite item from that restaurant? Ooh,
0: uh, that's a good question. Um, okay. There's this restaurant. Oh. There's this restaurant in DC, it's called Gypsy Kitchen, which I don't actually know if that's PC anymore, but that's what it's called. Um, and they have like the most amazing hummus, like kind of basic like appetizer, but uh, like life changing hummus. Um, okay. And yeah, I'm like, it actually converted me. I didn't use like hummus, ate that and now I eat it like every day so
1: i love hummus here
2: this is so good every single day ithaca is the best hummus brand
1: oh yeah yeah
2: so a little hot tip in case (laughs) you have never heard of
1: ithaca um the next question is who is your favorite celebrity um Okay,
0: probably right now Dax Shepard because I'm a big like armchair expert podcast fan and I've just like really gone on in deep into like their whole lives, like him and Kristen Bell and just like you I know really what you love know. them.
1: <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> love them together. Have you watched um their like game show? No. Okay, I want to. As it's really moment. good. It's yeah. funny. I think it's funny because you get to see like their relationship as a couple like I don't know it's kind of like when they were on that one episode of like Ellen and I think she was eating Cheetos and she kept like describing them as like fingers. Have you seen that? No. <laughs> she that was, sounds like, like
2: my worst nightmare. You know how I feel about <laughs> I, Cheetos. I,
1: she was like blindfolded. Look, like, well each of them were blindfolded, but they basically had to like eat something blind and then describe it to the other person, and the other person had to get it. So she was eating these like uh cheese Cheetos, and she kept saying that they're like finger-shaped chips, and
2: he was <laughs> like, "What finger-shaped <laughs> chips? That's funny." My guess it would be Takis if someone said finger-shaped finger-shaped chips. That's
1: true. That's true. <laughs> um, last question.
2: Oh, okay. Yes. Do you have any siblings? or pets?
0: Yes, I have both. I have three siblings. I'm the oldest. Um, there's an 11-year spread between me and the youngest. Um, so that's kind of fun. She's only 14 now. She oh, 14 wow. Now? Yeah, I think she's 14. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's super fun. Um, and then I have a dog, like I may have said in this one. I don't know. He's two and a half. Um, and he's a lab mountain Feist mix, and he's super cute. cute.
1: So. Um, are your siblings? did any of your siblings move to Chicago, or are they all in Virginia?
0: So, I have a sister who's a year younger. She's still in, um, Virginia, and my sister's six years younger, is at Boston University. She's a sophomore, and then my other sister is still in Virginia, because she's in high school, so. Okay.
2: Yeah. So, did you say you have all sisters then? Yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's so fun. Would love to have three sisters. Even though sometimes one is enough. Yeah. For me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of personalities to manage, but it's fine. I
2: bet. I-, I love that though. Girl power.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that kind of concludes our just like little fun questions just to like get to know you. Um So now we can dive deep into what everyone's been waiting for and what Sam and I are very excited to talk about. Um, So just like starting off, um, for people that really aren't aware, what is Mormonism?
0: Yeah. um, So it is a religion, obviously. Um, It is... They consider themselves Christian. Um, There are some Christian churches who wouldn't consider Mormons Christian because they don't believe in Trinity. Um, They do believe in like God, like the Heavenly Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Um, But in Mormonism, they believe that they're three separate beings. So some people discount that as a Christian religion, but they still believe in Jesus. They believe that He died for our sins, um, and kind of all of those basics, they still read the Bible, they believe in the Bible. Um, The way that I can explain it, like high level, the easiest, you take normal Christianity, and then you just intensify it by like 20x. Um, So you believe in all the typical Christian stuff that probably most people are familiar with. And then you have Added scripture. So you have the Book of Mormon. Um, Most people don't know that there are other um, scripture like, you know, texts. I don't know. Sometimes I'll use probably Mormon words. So if there's something that I say that is like not used or like not clear, just ask me because I can definitely slip those in there without explaining them. Um, but there's actually a couple other scriptural texts, so Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl Greek Price. So you believe in the Bible, but then you're also getting rules and um, stories, and you know all of these things from other scriptures. And then Mormons also believe that there is a living prophet um, on the planet today. And so right now there's a Mormon prophet who is also the president of the church or the leader of the organization. And that's really fundamental to Mormon beliefs because what that means is that they're getting revelation today. So there are constantly being um, changes, new rules, um, new things coming from God directly today. So that is definitely different than most Christian churches who just stick to kind of like the historical information that they get. Obviously, they'll have, like, preachers or priests that interpret it different ways. But Mormons believe that there is new revelations from God happening, you know, today. It could happen tomorrow, et cetera. Um, so, is, that a good over? is there any further questions?
1: Um, I think that that, like, explains, like, I, I think that explains it really good for someone who really isn't aware. Because I feel like we all kind of know about what, like, Mormonism, but I feel like, I've never really, like, known too much about it, like, until we talked to you. Same, same, Um, same. I I knew the basics. Yeah, I knew the very basics. I knew the Book of – I mean, I didn't know know the Book of Mormon, but I knew that it existed. And I know that um, there was, like, an extreme level um, of religion that comes with being a Mormon. But out of curiosity – Does it work? I feel like this is a stupid question, but I feel um, like I need to ask, but does it work the same way where like you go to church every Sunday or is there like a different kind of schedule?
0: Yeah. So you go to church every Sunday while I was in the church. It was three hours. Um, Actually, when I I think it was when I was in college. They cut it down maybe even later, maybe within the last couple of years. They cut it down to two hours um, on Sunday and without getting too much into like – the details right now that I think is a great example of the Mormon church, um, like taking away pain that they have given and then everyone being relieved and like thanking the church that like, oh, wow, now we get an extra day back. Wow, the church is doing such great things when in reality they like gave that pain. And then in the first place, that's going to be a re- like a recurring thing that I probably highlight through my story. But just wanted to point that out now. So yeah, so church every Sunday. Um, If you're a teenager, you usually have youth group once a week. We call it something different, but it's youth group. And then in high school, you have to go to an hour of basically Bible study before high school every morning. Um, So that's kind of the cadence. There are also optional activities typically on Saturdays.
2: How old were you when your family joined the church then? Were you like, born into your parents being Mormon. I, I think we talked a little bit about this the last time we talked, but just to kind of like reiterate the entire story.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I was born into the Mormon church. Um, so my parents are Mormon. My I think at this point, both of my parents' parents, my grandparents were Mormon. Um, my dad's parents have been had been Mormon for, I think, basically their whole lives. And then my mom's parents converted when she was eight years old. So she basically grew up Mormon as
1: well. Um, So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, Very good. I guess kind of like circling back, I mean, I know we're talking about Mormonism right now, but what did you experience during your time um while being a Mormon? Yeah. I mean, I think like –
0: The typical Mormon experience, it's really interesting, right? So you have like Utah Mormons, which is my understanding, a very different experience of growing up Mormon than like what you experience if you live in a different state where it's a little bit more spread out. It's much more like you are the other. Um, So definitely speaking from that perspective. And before I really dive into anything too deep, I do just want to emphasize, like, this is my experience. Um, I still have family members who are Mormon and, like, friends. And none of my friends are They've all left the church. But um, friends who are still, like, religious, that kind of thing. So I definitely want to, you know, emphasize this is my experience. I know some people have other experiences and want to be respectful of that. Um, but having said, um, my overall experience wasn't great. But um, basically this, you know, my Virginia experience or my non-Utah Mormon experience is you're kind of the way they frame it is you're faced with a lot of temptation because you're not in a Mormon bubble. And so what they do is they require a lot of your time. So like when you start growing up, you go to the three hours of church. Um, So you have basically like a Sunday school. It's like a kid's Sunday school. That you go to without your parents where they teach you, you know, about Jesus and they start to, you know, just like teach you about the religion and then you move on when you're 12. That's when you start getting separated. So you have like your class with all girls or all boys um, and you start going to Sunday school and that's when you start getting involved in more outside of like just Sunday church activities. So you start having youth group and you're going to Bible study and maybe you're involved in choir on Sunday. Um, That's all right within the actual organization. But then Mormons really emphasize your family life. And I think that's actually something that attracts a lot of people to Mormonism. They really emphasize um, and kind of their whole thing is like family is forever. So when you get married, it's not until death um, it's for eternity And there's some really interesting stuff with that because um, it's so easy to go down so many tangents, but something that's interesting is men can be married to more than one, one woman for eternity, but women can only be married to one man for eternity. So if she wants to get remarried just like eternally in like the afterlife, divorce her husband to marry someone new, whereas in like the man can just be married to multiple people. That's interesting, that's one of the things that's left over me
1: uh, back in the day that just I don't know I think just being a woman th- that irks me, um I get like you know religion, every religion is different, but like, but
2: of course it's like uh, religion upholds patriarchy, so I can't even say I'm surprised, but and i I grew up Christian, so I totally
1: and I empathize I, I grew up Catholic but like Sam and I, we don't practice, right? Mm-hmm. You don't practice. No, yeah. I do <laughs> not.
2: Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Well, there's a lot to unpack here. Um. Obviously, you know, it, it sounds like there's there's a lot there, like I was saying, to unpack. But when did you start to realize that maybe you weren't like fully aligned with the religion? Slash, do you feel like it was something that um you wanted to be involved in yourself or more of like, oh, this is what I should be doing. So I have to do it.
0: Yeah. um, Great question. Um, So for the second part of that, definitely felt like I had to be involved. Um, So when you're born into the church, um, you are just like, you don't know anything else. Like you see your friends at school, you know that like, they're allowed to do things on Sunday, and you're not, and, you know, you know that you're going to church for so long, and they go to church, for like, 30 minutes, and they get to, like, sing and go home. Um, so, like, you kind of pick up on those things pretty young, but um, I think for me, I don't know. I think really, starting really young, I was already not fitting the mold um, for a, like, perfect little Mormon girl. Um I was really outspoken. I was stubborn. I would ask like obnoxious questions, but I look back and I'm like, oh, that was me trying to kind of clarify what was going on in my head. Like why are these things contradicting each other? Like they would say one thing one Sunday and then the next Sunday, something that would contradict it. So I'd say starting at a really young age that was kind of going on subconsciously Um, I remember one time in primary, which is, um, basically like your Sunday school from the age of like, when do you, I don't know, like five to 12 or something like that. Mm -hmm. I remember hearing a story where I like stood up and I was like, the Holy ghost is not real. Ghosts are not real. Um, and just like from a very young age, just like kind of being a brat about it. But also I can look back and say, okay, like clearly things are not clicking it wasn't until middle school when I really felt like I needed to address some of my questions and I did not feel like I could do that in one within the church. Um, I think that, you know, sitting in classes, you are kind of just told to be quiet. Maybe you can, you know, you'll read a Bible verse um, but difficult questions were not really encouraged. And so what I did was I did what you're you're supposed to do, which is study the Bible, study the Book of Mormon, pray. Um, and so that's what I did. I read a bunch of the Bible. I don't think I ended up reading the whole thing. I read the Book of Mormon. Um, I prayed, I felt absolutely nothing. and everything I read um, in the Book of Mormon, and in the Bible. just didn't make sense to me. It wasn't clicking. And that's just aside from like the cultural norms that I already knew I wasn't fitting into. So kind of in middle school, I realized, oh, I don't, I don't believe this. Um, And it's really hard to go through a faith crisis that young, because anytime I would kind of, I don't think I ever like straight up said like, okay, I don't believe in this, but I would hint at it to my parents or to you know, like at Sunday school or whatever. And it's kind of just looked at as you being rebellious. It's not, oh, this is actually like a really difficult thing that a child is going through. And so that's when I started um, going through it. I think, you know, my parents could probably attest, I was like the worst 14 and 15 year old. And I was very loud. Um, I was very opinionated. I would speak my mind. I'd get into like these awful fights with my parents, um, arguing really the foundation of those fights was me breaking rules around Mormonism. Um, So I like really wanted to go to homecoming with a boy and I wasn't allowed to because you're not allowed to date until you're 16. Um, And just like that kind of stuff. But around like 15, 15 and a half, I realized that I was not—it was not safe for me to be able to sh- share my opinion freely, and so I started c- kind of like shutting down. Isn't the right word because I basically came up with like a separate me, like a good Mormon Elise, and then like a like a cool school Elise. And I was not that. Like it's not like I was like super cool. <laughs> um, I just kind of had these two different personalities that I would have to turn on and off depending on who I was with and so I got so good like as soon as I like walked into my house I wouldn't curse I wouldn't talk about anything that I wasn't supposed to um I would you know delete all of my texts with everyone because I didn't want my parents to take my phone and see what I was talking about and then it kind of got to the point where like my parents would know they were like, you just are lying. And so I would basically, I started fighting back a little bit, but then only enough so that they were comfortable that they didn't think I was lying about not believing in basically not believing in Mormonism or that like, if I got caught drinking coffee, like enough to be like, okay, I'm sorry, but, and then kind of give in to what they're saying. And so that like really, kind of fucked up my sense of self. Um, I had no idea, like who I was, I ended up getting around that age, like 15, 16, really bad anxiety, Um, mostly through panic attacks, like they would be so bad that I would hyperventilate to the point of passing out. And my parents, like, we have a really, really good relationship now. And I have a lot of respect for them. But you know, at that time, it was still kind of like mental health was a little taboo, and you just couldn't really talk about it. And so my parents be like, you're just being dramatic, like stop, when I'd be having like a full blown panic attack. And um, I, I think a lot of that came just from like, my lack of sense of self, and then still having to commit, you know, 20 hours a week to church and being sitting there knowing that I didn't believe in this and being told um, a a lot of things about who I should be as a woman, what it means to be a good woman, um, how I need to be setting up my life now, what it means if you're a bad Mormon. And I'm sitting there, a bad Mormon, and just being told like, why all these things are awful and you're gonna ruin your life and I just kind of had to like hide who I was and I didn't even know who I was and I think it was really really hard for me at such like a crucial age for anyone trying to figure out what they want who they are like I think everyone changes so much during high school and I was not given the opportunity to kind of like figure out more like what I like my sense of right and wrong. um, And like I said, that like sense of self. Um, I actually I have a quote that I, I read this on Instagram a couple days ago. And I was like, this really explains a lot of like, the kind of like crisis I was going through in high school after I had decided, okay, I don't really believe in this. Um, But what does that mean? Like my entire childhood, I was taught, this is going to be your life plan. Literally, like we, your, your entire life is planned out by the Mormon church, basically. Um, And so when I realized that wasn't going to be my path, there was absolutely no guidance for me and to how to live my life, how to make decisions, what was good, what was bad. If what the Mormon church was telling me what was good and what was bad was irrelevant than what actually is. Okay. So this is the quote. Um, Morality is doing what is right. No matter what you're told. Religion is doing what you're told. No matter what is right.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's
2: yeah. Yeah. I know a a couple people uh, that I grew up in the, in my church with that could uh, benefit from doing some soul searching with that quote.
1: (laughs) Um. I know that, you know, you talked about going through a lot and you had to have like two different personalities that you had to switch, um, you know, switch on, switch off, depending on who you're with. Um, And it's clear that that is like one, like a coping mechanism. But how else were you able to cope with, you know, this, you know, crisis in your life?
0: Yeah, Um, it was really hard, I think. Having track and cross country was a really good outlet for me. Um, That being said, I definitely took it to the extreme Um, when I would get really stressed out. I would go on like runs after I'd already gone to like three hours of practice that day. I would go like basically sprint until I'd throw up, which is not healthy, obviously. But I would use running as a way to just like deal with my emotions. And I kind of like ran my body into the ground a bit. Um, I think part of, part of what's hard, like being a Mormon, a woman in Mormonism is you have a lot of double standards. So there's a lot of, um, pressure to kind of be like the perfect trophy wife, but then you're also like not allowed to show up your body. And like, I think it really goes into like purity culture and how so many women who grow up in purity culture come out with body dysmorphia and eating disorders and like luckily I don't um, you know have an eating disorder but I definitely would use like exercise to cope and I think it started a little bit of body dysmorphia going into college um, which isn't great going into college especially like my experience in college which was I was on a team of you know elite women runners who had very different bodies. They were all tall and skinny. And I was like, oh God, is this I'm five feet tall for I mean, you know, obviously no one knows that. So I'm five feet tall and I have more of an athletic body. And so I I think that kind of started um during my time in high school and using exercise to to really try to to cope. And it's way better than other coping mechanisms I probably could have tapped into, um, but that was Probably my biggest one, I think also i um I really tried to spend as little time as possible at home, so part of that was pretty easy because I was at church in the morning, then school, then track practice, but as soon as I got home from track practice, I'd either lock myself in my room and do homework or I'd go out with friends or go to my boyfriend's if it was late you know later in high school and I was allowed to have a boyfriend. Um, and so I just did everything I could to avoid being home because that's when I was, it was much harder for me to put on kind of like the good Mormon facade because, you know, my parents and my family members know me better than the people at church. And so it's a little bit harder to fake it with them and definitely more emotionally exhausting. So I just tried to keep myself out of that situation as much as possible.
2: Yeah, that that totally makes sense. And I think like kind of going off of that, um, a- another question that just popped into mind is, um, do you hold any resentment like against your parents or family? It, it, is anything like I know you said you have a really good relationship with them now, but did you ever harbor any, you know, resentment or feelings toward towards them or towards your family for um you know, for all the things you experienced?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, probably a younger me would say yes. Um, I think, I mean, in high school, I like did not like my parents. Um, I didn't want to be around them. I was one, probably just like an angsty teenager, but also I just, I couldn't stand it. Um After I got into college and I had some distance and I was only, you know, home for the summers, I think part of me started to heal. And then also my parents actually left the Mormon church. um, I think it must've been like a year and a half ago now. And what was interesting is I had kind of stopped um, maybe definitely stopped holding things against them. Um, But when they left the church, I realized I had kind of been holding out a little bit of not hope, but like possibility that the Mormon church was true. I was like 99% sure it wasn't, but I respected my parents and I think they're very smart, intelligent people. And so I was confused at how they could be involved with something that I saw as like blatantly incorrect and there was no logic. Um So once they left, I was like, oh, so I didn't have to grow up that way. Like, this didn't have to be such a defining part of my childhood. Like my youngest sister, she's going to spend, you know, the last half of her childhood not having to do anything related to the warm church, which is amazing for her. Um, But I look back at like me and my sister's year younger's experience. And it's sometimes it's hard for me to think, um, you know that didn't it didn't have to be that way. We could have had a better relationship for longer and maybe not gone through a lot of the trauma we did and my sister specifically went through a lot um related to the Mormon church and so i wouldn't say that i hold things against them i would say that i do i don't not think about it um just like how it could have been different if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And do you feel like um, I guess this is another two-parter, and then I have another follow-up <laughs> question. But do you feel like a having gone through those experiences, um your relationship with your parents is now stronger um because you went through all of that adversity? Uh, slash, do you think you know you might have a have a better relationship with your family had you never gone through all of that? Like, do you are you happy with the way that things worked out? And do you think it was all for the best?
0: That's a good question. Um, I definitely think that I, hmm, I don't know, because it's hard to think about the what if, right? Like, what yeah, kind of family absolutely. would we have been if we didn't go through that together? Um, I'm not sure. And like, one thing too, my parents got married really, really young. Like, my mom was 18 and my dad was 21. And oh, wow. so, yeah. And so, if they weren't Mormon, maybe they wouldn't still be together today. Like, that's really wow. young to be able to figure out how to be together. And now they're, like, they're great together. Um, and they have been, you know, for a while. But who knows? Like, I don't know if there wasn't religion holding them in when you're that young. Like, I don't know. Um, But I do think, especially now that they've left the church, I mean, immediately, me and all of my siblings were like, oh, thank God none <laughs> <Those> of us are Mormons. <laughs> Um, So I think that definitely helped. um, And just like helped. I don't know, like all of us get a little bit closer, because now we always have something to talk about. Um, Not that we didn't before. We're all very loud and
1: obnoxious people. But (laughs) Sam, I know that you said that you had a question, but like real quick, you talked about like, um, leaving the Mormon church. I know you kind of mentioned it to the two of us when we talked to you. prior to this but what is the process like when you decide to leave Ooh, yeah. the church
0: okay so like i'll start with me um so i have left the church in my eyes right but technically the mormon church only considers me inactive and so when you're born into the church or or when you're baptized and typically children are baptized at 8 years old or then if you convert when you're older then you get baptized when you join Um, but when you're baptized, your names go into the Mormon church records. And what that means is you are now counted as one of their members. So when they report out how many members there are in the Mormon church, you are included. I'm included because my name is technically still in the records, even though I have not gone to church in years. Um, and To get my name removed, I would have two options. And so this would be to officially not be Mormon by, you know, the Mormon church's standards. If I wanted to go back to church, I'd have to be rebaptized. Right now I could just start going again and it would be fine, which I'm obviously not (laughs) going to do. So you have two options. So either you have to schedule a meeting with your local bishop, which is like our preacher or whatever. Um, And you have to go and have like an hour long meeting with him alone and talk about why you want to get your names review, your name removed. Basically, it's so that they can try to convince you to stay. And then they like, and I don't know, I think sometimes there's even a second meeting with like the stake president, which that's like an even like higher local leadership member. So you can go through that, which is very traumatizing for from what it sounds like. The ex-formants I've talked to who have gone through that, Um, or you can get a lawyer to sue the church to get you your name removed, basically, so that you don't have to go through that process. And so there's, yeah, it's wild. There's a couple lawyers who have like websites where it's like pro bono, you put in the information, they just have like a, you know, boilerplate template and you just put that in, Um, they do it for free and and they'll do it for you. Um, But it is very, I guess it's, it can be seen as kind of um, aggressive towards your family members who are still Mormon. Um, basically when someone leaves the church, it's kind of like they're dying. Like that's how seriously it's taken. Um, and to get your name removed is, is seen as a very like aggressive action. Um, and so I haven't done it yet. My parents haven't done it. Um, my sister who's a year younger has had her name removed and she went through one of the, uh, pro bono lawyers yeah that's insane
1: wild yeah I oh know my like, gosh. again we heard about this before but I felt like I just had to ask because I know that that's going to be something like yeah. really interesting A really for, interesting or, tidbit <laughs> yeah I think the listeners are going to be really interested in that because I mean I don't know how many of you guys like really know about Mormonism again you might just be like Sam and I where we kind of just like know bits you know and pieces, bits yeah. and pieces right But um wow something
2: else I know we talked about that Ashley and I forgot to write down here was uh, like, will you talk a little bit about like, I, I know this is kind of going back to your childhood, the confessions.
1: Yes, I was going to ask about that. Like when you do something wrong, what what happens?
2: And like the yeah. sin, the age of sin and all that, if you would yeah. mind getting into that.
0: Yes, definitely. So with like, I'll start with the age of sin because. That's like when I said that most um, kids in the Mormon church are baptized when they're eight. So that's the age of accountability. That's what um, the Mormons call it. And so before the age of eight, you basically aren't held accountable for any like wrong choices that you make, anything bad that you do. You're just like, it's a free for all. Okay. But when you're
2: eight, it's time.
0: It's time for business. When you're eight, when you're literally eight and what's, something that I've always thought about Um, and I remember writing this I used to be a big journaler because that's something that's like really promoted in the Mormon church as well Um, but I remember everyone was like this is such a big decision that you're making to get baptized like this is like everyone was like praising me and like congratulating me and I was like this was not a choice like at eight years old I was like what choice I didn't make a decision like this is just like what you have to do um, but anyways, so before the age of eight, you're chilling, and then you turn eight, you get baptized, and then from then on you have to repent for your sins. Now, hopefully, when you're like such a little kid, you don't really have a ton of sins. You probably just like pray to God to forgive you for like, you know, punching your sibling or something. But once you get older and you're kind of confronted, just you know, by the nature of the world with more serious sins. Then what happens is you basically have to go through a confession type situation with your bishop, who again is always, so it's always a man, typically an older white man, though not always the case, but typically. And um, again, this is something that during my time in the Mormon church, it would just be you and that, that man. Um, but now there's been a lot of pushback because of abuse and risk of abuse, so that another adult is allowed in the room, either a parent or a trusted adult is allowed in the room with you and the bishop. Um, but again, that was not my experience growing up. So when you get um a little bit older, so right, so maybe you're like you start drinking alcohol or drinking coffee. It's the same, same level of bad. Um, talk about screwing with your idea of like what's right and wrong. I mean
2: yeah. All what started. moral compass? <laughs> yeah.
0: And like, it's so, it, to me, it seems so arbitrary. It still does. Um, which, ugh, whatever. Um, but, okay. So you get into these more serious sins. And when you turn 12, you're able to start going to the temple. And that's a really big deal. So you have to go and basically interview with the bishop before you're allowed into the temple. So you go into this interview and there's a list of questions and, you know, some, are you obeying the word of wisdom? The word of wisdom is the thing that lays out all of the food and drink that you're supposed to eat or allowed to eat. Um, so that's where it says like no alcohol, no drugs, no coffee, no tea. Although it doesn't specifically say no coffee, no tea. It says no hot drinks. And I was also always confused about that. I'm Like, can I not drink hot chocolate? They're like, no. And I don't know. It again,
2: coffee. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Like, I'm like, what does this even mean? And you're like, well, we interpret it to mean coffee and tea. I'm like, dear God. Okay. Um. <laughs> no hot drinks, but
2: you can have hot chocolate,
0: but also no iced coffee and no yeah. iced tea. <laughs> yeah. And also, people will, I mean, that, those are like the big things that people take from the word of wisdom, but it also says to like eat in season. So you shouldn't be eating meat in like the spring or summer. But people just decide that doesn't matter. Like the only thing it's, that matters is not, that you don't. It's it's
2: yeah. just like the Bible where people pick and choose That's, what they, you know, want to go by and what they don't, which is bananas to me because it's the whole idea behind religion is following the set of rules, but whatever.
1: <laughs> you know, the coffee yeah. thing really gets to me because I didn't know about the coffee thing until we talked about it the first time. And I remember after we got off for our call with you, I like hopped onto TikTok real quick and like one of the very first videos that popped up was like these tiny mic interviews at um, a campus. BYU. Yeah, at BYU. Oh. And um, the interviewer was asking students, would you rather drink a cup of coffee or like a gallon of like vegetable or like cooking oil or whatever? And everyone was saying the oil and I was like, oh my God, like what the fuck? And I sent it to Sam and Sam like ended up getting the same, uh, yeah. the same video surf to her. Like a
2: I few get those later. all over my time on that and like the Utah Mormons that drink like an, uh, an XXL Dr. Pepper with like sugar and chocolate syrup and coffee creamer in it. How is that, be- like, better than coffee? <laughs> no, uh, I anywho, know. All, th- all this to say, um, or uh, getting getting back to our questions and back to the point. Now that we've had our fun, um, have you and your family experienced judgment from other, you know, people that are are still Mormon, uh, practicing Mormons, um, after leaving the church?
0: Yeah, um, definitely. I don't want to speak too much to like my parents' experience because I i mean, I definitely talked to them about it a lot, but I'll just talk about my experience. So I felt like I experienced a lot of judgment or pretty early on, like while I was still going to church. Um, So obviously there's a lot of like restrictions about what you can wear for like clothing, but I would wear pencil skirts to church. Um, and they'd go down to my knee like they were supposed to, but they were tight. And I would constantly be getting like looks and like people saying that I was bad Mormon and like, oh, like the guy she's dating isn't Mormon, like huge scandal, um, that kind of thing. I also got a lot of judgment when I would talk about my plans for college and um a lot of like well where does a family fit in like where does when are you going to find your husband if you're going to a state school like most people want to go to BYU so that they can you know easily find someone um to marry like you have a good mormon pool there um of eligible people to date and so um, there was a lot of that kind of judgment again really early on and then as i got into college I um started, you know, I didn't go to church when I was at school, but then I'd go to church when I came back for the summers. And it was a lot of like kind of really passive. Um I actually think it's interesting like the more you pull away, people actually just like won't talk to you, um because they start to see you as like in the out group. And that, that was fine with me. I was like I don't want people to talk to me and judge me. Um, But I do think there was a lot of like trying to bring me back into the fold. So like I got, you know, given a calling. I would be asked to like go sing in the choir, like just a lot of like trying to pull me back in. Um, The church definitely does a lot of love bombing. And like, sad to say, I participated in it when I was younger. Like we would go if someone didn't go to church the week before I would go and like me and and the group of girls, like the group of our class would go and like literally like cut out hearts and like write like Bible verses and like, we love you come back to church and like literally just like show up at their house unannounced, like cover their door with these hearts, cover their card with these hearts, like give them like stuff, trying to convince them, like literally love bombing them to get back to church. And so
1: I would be so freaked out. Well,
2: especially from such a young age like that, too. It's like a lot of the time, like, when you, if you can't even drive, it's your parents' choice whether you went to church or not. And so it's like, oh, it just feels like it creates a, a culture of shame around around it. So that's, ah, oh, gosh, that um, is so interesting to hear.
1: I have kind of like a side question. Oh, fuck. What was it? <laughs> uh, oh, so I guess like... When you were talking about all that, I just remember um, there was this one time my ex was telling me that – he like went to go visit like his friends in like Tennessee or some shit and he went to their church and their pastor was like basically preaching to them that they needed to convert all of their friends to Christianity or their friends would go to hell and that like this is the only form of Christianity that they can go to is that kind of like the same that the same thing that you guys experienced like were you told to like try and convert the people around you if they weren't Mormon yes definitely um we like call it missionary, not we they
0: um call it missionary work um, and I mean it is it is very much that it's not really like the you have to convert them or they're going to hell, but it's definitely along those lines, so basically, all boys are not quite required but basically strongly encouraged to go on a mission, and so what that is is a two year long experience where you go to another state or another country. And you, you know, this is like, everyone knows the Mormons on their bikes, like going door to door knocking. They're typically, you know, 18, 19, 20. Um, They actually have to pay for most of it themselves, which that's a whole other issue. I mean, I could really talk about the financial obligations and just ins and outs of the Warren Church for a long time, because I think it's very, very corrupt. Um, But this specifically, like, you'll have a kid who instead of saving for college, saves to go on a mission, and then they come back, and they're just kind of screwed. Because, yeah, it's like two years of their life that they kind of, I mean, you know, in my eyes, threw away. Um, But obviously, that's like, not how they feel. Yeah. And, um, and like some people I've heard who've gone on missions just had a great experience. Like they got to explore Brazil or like the Ukraine or, or whatever. Um, and so I don't know. Um, I have some like personal issues cause I'm like, you are like people who don't have a lot of money. They're saving for this. And the church, the Mormon church is the largest hedge fund in America, in the United States. And so what, like, you're just letting these poor kids like spend their money to go spread your like your religion i don't know
2: yeah like agenda and it's mm -hmm. like even if somebody doesn't want to go to church that money could be put away to towards a car towards or i mean doesn't want to go to college sorry yeah that money could be put away towards a car or a a home or a a trade school or whatever it may be that's like so hard to hear
1: um, I know that you said you could like go on and on about like the finances I feel like we would it would be a missed opportunity to talk a little bit about it just because you did share some interesting information with us uh, when we last talked so can you kind of like um, explain to our listeners what it's like um, with your salary and how that contributes to the church.
0: Yes. Um, So at like the individual level, right, um, you are expected to pay 10% of your salary before taxes to the church. Um, That's your tithing. And where it kind of gets, again, just to me, like really a little bit manipulative is, okay, like maybe that's great. Like if the people who have it could give, like, wow, that's so charitable of them. No, to go to the temple, one of those questions in that um, interview conversation I had mentioned earlier is if you are a full tithe payer and what that typically means is are you paying the ten percent and if you're not, then you're not allowed to enter the temple um, and which is where a lot of the most important Mormon like ordinances and um, routines and, and things are are performed and so if you are a believing Mormon um it's really important to go to the temple and that can be restricted and not allowed because you're not a full tithing, um, a full tithe pair. And so, yep, 10%. Um, my parents, after they left, they refused to calculate how much money they gave. Um, I don't
1: yeah. Um, what age, like, do you start giving the 10% to the church? Like, is it, like, as soon as you get a job, even if you're, like, a babysitter or something, like, at teenage years? Or do you have to have it, like, everything's, like, fully document, uh, yeah, documented, like, like, like full, a salaried full, yeah. employee somewhere?
0: Yeah. So, I was paying tithing on my allowance. So, they t- oh! start... <laughs> and I would get, like, a dollar allowance. And so, like... <laughs> oh, pay, like for a dime.
2: <laughs> Stop it. So, like, so, if I'm, let's say... Like, I got my first job when I was, when I had just turned 16. I might have still been 15. I think I made like $8 an hour. I would have to pay, like, I was making minimum wage. You have to, when you're 16 years old working like a minimum wage job, or even if you're, you know, well into your 30s working a min- minimum wage job, you're expected to pay 10% of that. That's not even yeah. a livable wage.
0: I know. Um, yeah, so you are expected. I think when you're younger, like as in a kid, and a teenager, it's a little bit more flexible, like, because you don't really have a full, a full time job yet, in theory. And just because you're not an adult yet, but they start training you up young. I mean, that's like bananas. Parents, I'm pretty sure like the only reason I got an allowance, and I didn't for most of my childhood, but I'm pretty sure it was just so that they could teach me about tithing. Um, and wow. not their fault. I mean, they're just teaching. Yeah, you know, they're just what they were told is correct.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Kind of going off of that on a literal opposite extreme after we just talked about like all of the awful traumatic experiences is there anything from your mormon faith that either a you still practice and actually align with or b anything that's kind of left an imprint that you're like oh I, I i literally cannot shake this no matter how hard i try it's just like ingrained in my memory
0: yeah so i'll okay so i'll answer the first question um in terms of things that i practice not really but i will say um, the mormon church is a Like eighty five percent conservative, like voting Republican consistently, or honestly, some people voting like alt right, um, or just alt right. Um, My parents are very liberal. I'm very liberal, but I was constantly surrounded by people who had very, very different views of the world and political views, and so I learned how to effectively communicate and understand and love people who really felt very differently than me and that's something that I am like very grateful for and like still use every day like some of my best friends have different political views than me and you know most most of my other friends feel like they could never be friends with someone on the opposite side of the political spectrum and I do think that is because I grew up I grew up Mormon and like I had to figure out how to find common ground um with Mm -hmm. people again who felt you know believe very differently about fundamental things about the world. Wow. So.
2: Yeah. That's something that can definitely like take you far. I know I can even like speak for myself and say like I have trouble, you know, finding that common ground w- with people that think so differently than I do. So I really like commend you for um, being able to take, you know, some of the negatives from that experience that you grew up with and really be able to, you know, kind of turn lemons into lemonade and you're like adult life. So I think that's
0: really cool. Yeah. Um, So I think that there are a lot of things that I'm still working through and like working to heal from that experience. Um, I think definitely everything related to purity culture. um, I think I still feel that I am responsible for, for how other people view me. So like if someone is like hitting on me or making me feel uncomfortable, it's my fault. Um, Like I'm the one bringing that on. And so I definitely still have a lot of that kind of negative thought patterns where it's like, logically, I know that's not true. But emotionally, I feel like it's all my fault. um, And that I'm a bad person or like, I'm, I don't know, like, just like that kind of stuff. So uh, I'd say a lot of stuff about purity culture has stuck with me and I have to like, continue to work through um, and then also a lot of the, um, just kind of like, again, like the sense of self, I think that I've really worked hard to try and define like, what's important to me and what I want from life. Um, but sometimes I wonder, Am do I feel this way? Because I grew up Mormon, one way or the other? Like, is this impacting me? So I have this view that is related to Mormonism? Am I taking the exact opposite point of view, because I grew up Mormon, like, am I using am I still like rebelling against that? Or is this actually how I feel? So a lot of second guessing, I have absolutely no like gut, like I never have a gut feeling. Um, I don't think I ever will. Like I think whatever you need to develop that I just, it. I didn't get to go through. And um, I was too confused. And I just I don't have a gut feeling. And so it can definitely like impact my decision making capabilities, at least in my personal life. I think I'm pretty good at it, like professionally, but um, personally, I have to really think through every single thing because I don't, I don't get a gut feeling. I don't know what actually aligns with who I am um, without like some pretty serious contemplating. And so I think those are the main things that I have come out of. I think when I first left or like even early in college, I would feel really guilty about like drinking or drinking coffee, like just like little things. Or like if I wore leggings around the house, I also always felt like I was being a bad example to my siblings. Um, So I felt like if I wore a tank top or like running, like I was being a bad example to my siblings and I was negatively impacting their childhood and I was confusing them. I, I mean, that was like a constant from like, The age of 12. Like, basically, from 12 on, I was like feeling very guilty for like my influencing my siblings, maybe in a negative way.
2: Wow. Well, it sounds like you've really been able to like do a lot of that inner work and like Mm -hmm. healing to be able to, you know, unlearn some of those things that could be considered toxic. And I just think like that's really cool that you're able to, you know, take those things that you were literally taught as law and you know figure out how to how to unlearn those things and make sure that you know maybe i don't know if you want to have children one day but if if you did or you know if you, whether it's a future partner or whatever it may be that you don't like carry those things with you and even just even for yourself right so i think yeah, that's really cool definitely. um Thanks.
1: kind mm-hmm. of just like wrapping everything up with like a final question what is your like best advice for someone who feels like they want to leave the church, but they don't know where to start?
0: Yeah, I think you have to start with yourself. Um, Again, I think because if you're in any sort of like evangelical church, or just like a really intense religion, and you want to leave, start asking those questions, start doing the research. Um, and like looking inwards, because I think As soon as you start looking outwards, that's when you're getting all of these like thought traps, the judgment, the shame that can really easily keep people in line for their, for their lives. Not even if they know it's not true, they don't want to confront um, the, you know, the social exile or the shame or or whatever it might be. So I think doing the work, um, which is hard, but actually trying to figure out, okay, like why am I feeling this way? Or is it specific questions related to um, the actual like religion, like the religious texts, or was it a bad experience with someone at the church? Am I not relating to the culture? Why? What does this mean to me? Um, And then I think just like learning to trust yourself and like learning to trust that if you have questions, there's a reason you have questions you're taught to think that that's literally like Satan like whispering to you, but it's you like if you are constantly having the same questions come up over and over again, that's your sign to start doing the work to see if this is actually the right space for you to be in. Um. So I think that and I think that's the hardest step, right is trusting yourself, and not thinking that it's, you know, like the devil trying to tempt you, which like, it's like saying that sounds so ridiculous now to me, but that's literally like, that's what you're taught. Like any questions, any thoughts that you may have that are against the church, it's literally taught that that's the devil. And so I think learning to trust yourself and then doing the work, they can reach out to me, um, you know, talking to people who've maybe gone through a similar experience is helpful too, and definitely therapeutic, but
2: yeah. Awesome. That's well, amazing. Yeah, really. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. I think, like you are just so like well spoken, you have mm-hmm. such a great perspective, and like really, I-, I love that you can still like even after all the trauma and everything, you can still like approach you know, people that are a part of the Mormon church, like with empathy and, and, you know, really not only the people that are still a part of it and try and see where they're coming from, but, you know, people who might be interested in leaving as well. So seriously, thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. Um, I, I hope that this was, you know, like cathartic for you and therapeutic for you as well as it is, you know, educational and potentially helpful to
1: some of our listeners.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it so much. I think it's great that you guys are doing this podcast. I love it. And I'm really glad I could come on and, and share a little bit. So.
1: Well, we're super thankful that you were able to come on and chat with us. Um, and as always, uh, we're definitely going to link your Instagram so anyone can follow you and like reach out to you if they want to. Um, but if you want to go ahead and give yourself a plug for any of your Instagrams or whatever social channels you want to put out there. You sure, also don't yeah, have to. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Um, my Instagram is at Elise Rasmus. So it's E-L-I-S-E-R-A-S-M-A-S. And I'm like, I talk about this a lot. I'm very open about it. Um, it is definitely like therapeutic for me. So like if anyone has like questions or wants to reach out to me, if they're going through their own, you know, like hard time with it or faith crisis, I'm more than happy to, to talk about it. So,
2: yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much, Elise. And thank you all for listening um and we'll talk to you in,
1: in our I, next episode our <laughs> next episode <laughs>